Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Welcome, New Orleans, and anywhere else you might be listening. It's the first ever Datitude Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Derry. I'm the sports betting writer for The Advocate, The Times Picayune, and NOAA.com. And the plan is to do this show every Tuesday and Friday. Today is episode one, except it's Wednesday. Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021. From here on out, we will be doing them on Tuesday and Friday, and we appreciate you joining us. We have a very special first guest coming up later in the show. Our first ever Datitude guest is ESPN Stan Verrett, and he will be joining us in about 30 minutes. It's actually a tape recording. We're going to save it for the end of the show, but I want to get into things real quick. We're going to talk about mostly about the Saints and Jameis Winston and what we all think. And, um, you know, I feel a little bit differently today than I felt on Monday, I got to say. We'll get into that in just a minute. You can reach me via email if you want to have a comment that you want read on the show. We're going to get into some social, social media love. And I use love in quotation marks. It's not exactly love. I call it mumbo gumbo. That's our going to be our social media segment. We'll have plenty of segments throughout the course of the next couple months and see how this goes, and uh, we'll go from there. But our first segment today is Derry's Dime, and it's my intro to what our main topic is, and today our main topic is the Saints. Uh, By the way, our videos on NOAA.com, if you're into the betting thing, and we hope you are, bet.noaa.com. Uh, we are have on Mondays, we have the Odds and Ends show with myself and the sports betting director, Zach Ewing, the Fantasy Roundup with Zach and Spencer the Guru Urquhart, including myself uh, a lot of the time on Wednesday. And then on Fridays, we'll have At the Book. You can't miss that. It's featuring the Cashing In with Carville segment. He is outstanding, James Carville, not just at making picks, but making picks entertaining. And he's on in the first part of that show, along with Zach Devin Jackson, who has been just on fire with his picks and myself. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll have that on Friday, uh, every Friday here on bet.nola.com. So let's get right into it, Derry's Dimes. Like I said, I'm glad I didn't do this show on Monday. I, I, you know, Monday fans and even some people are, you get a little ticked off, right? I mean, the Saints played uh, as bad as they possibly could have played. It was the worst I've ever seen in offensive line play in the Sean Payton era. Um, you know, it, the, there was no running game. Alvin Kamara couldn't get through anything. Uh, the defense actually played okay for the most part. I mean, they had four players out, four starters out, and they had more than four players out, but they had four starters out. Marcus Davenport, Quan Alexander, we don't know when they're going to return. They're key pieces. And you got C.D. Deuce and Marshawn Lattimore. So, Gardner Johnson needs to get back in there. Marshawn Lattimore, I would expect him to be back this week. The Saints certainly need him in the defensive backfield. But when I want to spend my time here in Derry's Dime talking about Jameis Winston. Now, I've taken a lot of hits on social media in the past couple of days because of what I said. And I, I mean, I still mean what I said, but I mean, it, it's, you know, People don't want me to compare him to Drew Brees. Well, I'm not comparing him to Drew Brees. I'm comparing his one performance in his second start ever as a Saint. And let's get to the stat. The stat is he had a 26.9 passer rating on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Now, when I, let's put this in context. It takes a math genius, which I am certainly not, someone who went to Harvard or something along those lines, to figure out what the passer rating is. But I know that 26.9 is awful, okay? I mean, you get like a 38, and I'm not kidding. You get like a 38 if you threw 28 passes and you threw them all into the turf. I mean, that, that's how bad that is. 
Say what, Derry? Yeah, I, 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 I get it. Thank you, Phil and Somo. Talk about him a little bit. Um, but, you know, 26.9. It's worse than if you threw the ball into the turf 28 times. It was 10 points lower than in any, any of Drew Brees' 231 starts as a Saint, including the playoffs. Now, I'm not comparing him to Drew Brees. I guess what I'm comparing Jameis's out, you know, performance on Sunday to Drew Brees' worst in 231 games. I, it was also the worst day of Jameis's career, so in fairness to him, he had 71 starts. He's had 71 starts in his career. It was the worst of his career. So, but what scares me is 26 now. It's 26 times in 71 starts he's thrown multiple picks in a game. 36.6% of the time he throws two picks or more. And the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of the time, if a quarterback throws two interceptions or more, his team's going to lose. We all know that the turnover battle, and we're going to get into this with Stan later, you lose the turnover battle, you lose the game about, oh, about 75-80% of the time. So you look at the first Jameis Winston performance against Green Bay, obviously the O-line played fantastic, he had plenty of time to throw, but even in that game, he only had 150-something yards. He threw five touchdown passes, yes. The pass to Devontae Harris was outstanding. It's a pass that Drew Brees can't make. Couldn't make the last two years that he was here. Maybe three years. Last three years he was here. It was a perfect pass. But you look at some of the other ones, and the two passes to Jawan Johnson in the end zone, one of them was a floating duck that Johnson grabbed out of the air, and the other one was Jawan Johnson. There was no one within 10 yards of him. And he had all day to throw the ball. And Jawan Johnson still had to make a diving catch. So, look, I've also said this, and I meant it. Jameis Winston is clearly the best player, the best quarterback, not player, the best quarterback on this Saints roster. I don't think it's, it's a debate. I mean, sure, if you want to debate, we can debate all day long. You can email me at jderryattheadvocate.com or you can tweet me at Jim Derry Jr. But Jameis is the best quarterback on this roster. And Sean Payton's going to have his work cut out. They're going to have to open the playbook. They're going to have to let him loose a little bit. He cannot play scared. And I think what we saw on Sunday, and even really to some extent in the first game, was he's playing not to make a mistake. And everybody knows as well as I do that when you play not to make a mistake, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to make a mistake. You can't think about making mistakes. You just got to let it loose. And I know a lot of his 30 interceptions of that 30 interception season were him doing that. But this is a different coaching staff. This coaching staff that he has here in New Orleans is immensely better than the one that he had in Tampa Bay, in my opinion. And you're saying, well, Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl last year. They won the Super Bowl because they have Tom Brady. They have... Rob Gronkowski, they have one of the best receiving cores in, or had one, last year. And their defense was pretty darn good. That's why they won the Super Bowl. So, we'll see. And I'm not going to dwell on this much longer because we're going to go in more into this when I get to the mumbo-gumbo segment and talking about my social media love. We're also going to get into it with Stan Verrett in a little bit. And we're... I couldn't wait to pick his brain on what he thought about Jameis. And, you know, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but, you know, I, I think he, he agreed with me to some extent, not to the, probably the level that I went out with. And the last stat that I'm going to throw at you, because I do, I do, if you, we're going to talk about him against Drew Brees in, in, in any capacity, I want to throw this out there. Because this number kind of surprised me. We talked about... 26 time and 71 starts, he's thrown multiple picks of the game, in a game, 36.6% of the time. I wanted to know how many times Drew Brees did it. So I went back and I went through all of his starts. And the number to me was surprising. I thought it would be semi-high um, because if you remember the first half of his career as a Saint, he, there were times when he wasn't so hot. And the last half of his career, he was outstanding. I mean, he couldn't throw a ball past 35, 40 yards the last couple of years. But, so here's the number. 
231 career starts, including the playoffs. How many times do you think Drew Brees threw multiple picks in a game? My first inclination was to say 35 to 40. I bet a lot of you think it's less. The answer is it's more. It's more than 40, quite a bit more. 50 times. 50 times in 231 starts, Drew Brees threw two interceptions or more in one game. Interestingly enough, he didn't do it at all in 2018 or 19, and he was hurt for part of those years, but he still had well over 20 starts, so that's pretty impressive. But 21.6% compared to Jameis's 36.6%, and I'm not saying Jameis Winston is going to be Drew Brees, is anything like Drew Brees, but he, Drew Brees is what we know. If you think about it, for kids that are like 24, Four, 25 years old, Drew Brees is all they know. My son is 23 years old, and the le- he doesn't know anything but Drew Brees. He doesn't remember Aaron Brooks. He doesn't remember Jeff Blake or anyone that was before Drew Brees. All he knows is Drew Brees. So you talk about you can't help but compare him to some extent, but it is what it is. We're going to have more Saints in just a moment. I want to get to the four-minute review, the four-minute review. And this is going to be hard for me because I can't, I can't do anything in four minutes. But we're going to, we're going to try it anyway. And the four-minute review is on, on Tuesdays, which today is Wednesday, when, you're, when most of you are listening to this. Um, the review is going to be going through all my picks that I made last week, whether I like it or not, and tell you how we did. And maybe some things we can pick up on and try to get better on. And some things we did very well on that I that, – Frankly, I don't think I can improve on. So maybe things you might want to look at for next week. But we're going to go through it real quickly. All 16 picks that I made this past week. And then on Fridays, we are going to have a new set of picks. Actually, my picks come out on Wednesday in the paper. But if you want to hear them, you'll hear them here on the show on Friday. Let's get to it. Well, we start off with, if I can get this to work correctly oh there we go so we start off with uh detroit and green bay which was on monday night i had the packers winning straight up packers against the spread over 48 that's a winner winner chicken dinner we got all three of those right and uh pretty happy about it yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I was waiting for you, Phil. You took a little while. Uh, so, look, we talked about R-E-L-A-X, relax, Aaron Rodgers. He's fine. Okay, I, I talked about last week, people text him in the second quarter. Does, does Aaron Rodgers look? He doesn't even look like he cares. He cares. 35-17, big second half last night, uh, Monday night, excuse me. Cleveland, 31, Houston, 21. Had the Browns, the big win there straight up. The Texans against the spread, 12 and a half to over 48. Another winner, winner, chicken dinner. So, I mean, we're, we're rolling here through the first two, but. Yeah, that's right. Worse. Yeah, okay. Uh, 48-25, Tampa Bay defeated Atlanta. Uh, I had the Bucks straight up, but I had the Falcons. I thought they would play better. I just don't, I had the over 52, but I don't understand the Falcons. They are, they have talent. What is going on in Atlanta? Oh, we're going to have another coaching change. I mean, I don't know how many more coaches. Maybe they'll bring Mike Smith back. Remember him? He was outstanding, wasn't he? Don't you miss Mike Smith? Don't you just miss how bad Mike Smith is? I mean, as bad as Atlanta is now, I, I almost wish he was back. They could be even worse. Vegas, and maybe the surprise of the weekend, beat Pittsburgh 26-17 with the Steelers. Straight up, we had the Steelers against the spread at minus five and a half. We did have the under 47 that, that hit. We made it by four points. I don't understand the Steelers. They brought in Najee Harris. They draft him so they can run the football. They can't run the football. Now they could be without T.J. Watt. Uh, they're a mess. So the Steelers could be in trouble. That might be a season-long pick I get wrong. Moving on, New England at the Jets. New England at the Jets, 25-6. to six. Patriots wanted Saints next opponent, got the Patriots right uh, straight up, but against the spread, I really like the Jets, only because of our golden rule, which is always take a home dog in a division game 
And I guess I should add the caveat, unless it's the New York Jets. They're terrible. Zach Wilson looks bad. San Francisco 17, Philadelphia 11 straight up. We had the 49ers winning. We took the Eagles with the three and a half. We lost that. We also lost the over 50. Um, I just thought the Eagles were going to be able to do some things against the San Francisco defense that really kind of blew up in the fourth quarter against Detroit. Was wrong there. We'll see. We'll see how, um, how the Eagles do this coming week. They play on Monday night against the Cowboys. I don't, I'm not going to give you a spoiler. I'm not going to like them there. Rams beat the Colts 27 to 24. We had the Rams straight up, but we also had the Rams minus four, so that's a loss. Say yep. what, Derry? It's a loss. It's a loss. I promise you. I also got the under 47 and a half wrong. Um, look, I still think that the Rams are still my Super Bowl pick, but we're going to learn a lot from the Rams this week as they take on Tampa Bay. I cannot wait for that game. That is the game I am certainly looking forward to most. Going to spend no time here. Carolina 26, New Orleans 7. I had the Saints straight up, but I did pick the Panthers, and I wanted to pick the Panthers straight up. But like I said in my column, I did not have the intestinal fortitude to do it is the word that I use. Um, you know, I couldn't do it. All the hate that I got, I guess I let the, uh, the haters get into my head. I had the under 44 as well. We're going to talk more again more about the Saints in just a minute. Kansas City and Baltimore, what a game that was. There were... Just, there were three or four just unbelievable games, and they all came after the noon hour. Um, Baltimore on Sunday night, 36-35 over the Chiefs. I had the Chiefs straight up. I did take the Ravens with the three and a half. Got that right. Under 55 was a loss. That was a, just a high-scoring shootout. Dallas, this was my, my, probably, this was my pick of the week. Uh, Cowboys plus three. Cowboys straight up. It was my favorite pick against the spread. I also got the under 55 right. I'm telling you guys. You're not going to like it if you don't like the Cowboys. They're going to have a good season. Uh, they are in a weak division, and they got an easy schedule. The Cowboys are going to win 10 games this year, and that's just the first one of them. They're gonna, they play Philly on Monday night this week, as we said. Chicago 20-17 over Cincinnati. The Bears minus three. That was a push straight up. We had the Bears uh, winning straight up, and the over 45 was a loss. Look, everybody slow their roll on Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase. We'd love to see it. Eventually, it's going to be a great combo, but not just yet. The Bengals got a little work to do. And speaking of having work to do, how about the Minnesota Vikings? Miss a field goal that could have won it, basically the length of an extra point. 34-33, Cardinals win it. We had the Cardinals straight up. We had the Vikings against the spread, and we had the over 51. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Speaking of winning, winning chicken dinner, Washington 30, Giants 29 on last Thursday night. We had Washington winning straight up. We had the Giants plus three and a half, but we did have the under 40 and a half. And what did they score? I think they scored 40 in the fourth quarter. It wasn't that close. It wasn't that many, but it was pretty close. Um, two teams I'm not high on this year. You got to feel bad if you're a Giants fan, though. I love Joe Judge, but I, I mean, the G-Men, you, you, that's just choke city. You can't have that. Uh, Saquon Barkley is looking like he's still banged up. He's not making any kind of impact yet. We'll see what happens going forward. Denver 23, Jacksonville 13. I had this one all wrong. Jacksonville had Jacksonville straight up against the spread. I was going for the upset. I did have the under 40 and a half. Uh, the Jags were six-point favorites. Trevor Lawrence, not so easy in the NFL, is it? A little different. Urban Meyer, a little different the game plan when you're playing the likes of NFL players, and you're struggling against Houston and Denver. That is not a good sign for the Jags. They could have the number one pick again next year. I know it's only week two. We'll wait and see. Buffalo 35, Miami nothing had this one all wrong. And it, it didn't matter that Tua went out early. The Bills, obviously, a lot like the Packers, a very good team uh, who were ready to avenge their week one loss, and they certainly did. And then besides Dallas, my favorite pick of the week that I had right was Tennessee winning straight up, Tennessee against the spread, and the over 54 got that right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Tennessee, what a comeback. Derrick Henry, you got to love him. He was outstanding. And uh, I think the Titans are a good team. I, I, don't, I don't understand a lot of experts, experts, and I use that in quotation marks, that I listen to, for some unknown reason, down on the Titans. I don't get it. I think the Titans are... An outstanding team, um, as I try to keep my hand away from my mic. Sorry if I went 
dark for a minute, but uh, I think the Titans are a good team. I really do. And I think they're going to be in the running for the AFC Championship as we go forward, especially when Derrick Henry runs like he ran in the second half against Seattle. you got to wonder about the Seahawks' defense. They looked like they were out of gas. They were playing in Seattle, so it wasn't like it was hot. So let's go to the mumbo-gumbo segment. I tell you, I'm doing it in four minutes. I did it in seven, so it is what it is. We'll, we'll get that down right. Social media love. Okay, so I made my statement about Jameis, and I mean, people found it. Uh, one of them was because I was responding to something that David Grubb uh, posted on his page, and another thing was another one was something that I just posted on my own page. But I wanted to read some of these things, okay, to show you what social media is like, especially when you're in the media. If look, people don't like what you say, and the ones that do like what you say, most of the time they don't respond. They just yeah, they probably nod their head when they look at it, yeah. So, first off, let me see if I can find it real quick. I mean, I'm doing this live, so I probably shouldn't be doing this on the air. But um, some of the things that I said, I, I threw out the stat about his 231 career starts. Drew Brees never had a passer rating as low as Winston. In fact, in every single game of those 231 career starts, they were 10 points better than Breeze's worst, okay? And I, granted, <clears throat> people coming at me with the, the five picks against the Falcons, I'm just throwing out how it's measured. Miss Mara, at Mo Shamara on Twitter says, but how was how Jameis gonna have a good game with the O-line playing like trash? He was pressured and running for his life every drive. How the hell any quarterback gonna focus? It wouldn't matter who our quarterback was, we still would have lost to that trash O-line. I agree. It's not so much that we lost. The O-line played awful. I said it was the worst performance of the O-line in the Sean Payton area, in the era. No doubt it was. But I still saw a quarterback that was throwing the ball up in the air when he shouldn't have been throwing the ball up in the air. And there were times when he should have thrown it away where he held it and got sacked. That's got to change. That's partly on Sean Payton. We'll see what happens. David Setatal says, LMAO, I've been a Saints fan since 78 Winston will never be Breeze. Well, of course he won't. It's not knocking him. Breeze also played no six with eight rookies and didn't sit for an entire year learning the offense. Um, okay. It's a stupid comparison. None of y'all would take Winston right now over Breeze at 27. None of y'all. Well, no. I mean, I'd rather have Breeze at 27 than Winston, but so would everybody, including probably Jameis Winston's mama. I mean, come on. That's... I mean, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Dome, Dome Patrol Podcast. I'm going to have to go check this out. It says, just stop. Breeze never played without half his team and coaching staff while on the road amidst the pandemic and hurricane fallout. No quarterback could have been successful behind the Saints O-line on Sunday. No one, also, no one ever claimed that Winston was going to be better or even the same as Breeze, and neither did I. Again, I'm not comparing Winston, per se, to Breeze. Um, but you're right about the pandemic and the coaching staff thing, and I'm meant to touch on that. I think a lot of this had to do with Saints came out, they've expended all their energy against Green Bay. They've been on the road for almost a month now because of Ida. They're probably coming home next week, but you know, when you expend all that energy, and I, I kind of felt it and I kind of said it, it's not so much the coaching staff, although that certainly hurt, and we'll talk about that with Stan. I think he disagrees with me on this. But you come out on Sunday, and they were flat, and you could kind of predict them to be flat. So a lot of, a lot of it has to do with that. We're going to give Jameis the benefit of the doubt at some point, I think, right? At still thinking SK. I mean, using passer rating is flawed. Breeze has definitely had worse games than the one Jameis had on Sunday. His 2010 game against the Falcons come to mind. Uh, if user rating, passer rating is flawed, fine then stop, then we should never talk about it ever again. It should disappear. I mean, if you can't judge by what the NFL throws out there, I don't know where they came up with this and I don't care. But the point is that that's what they use. So if it's flawed, fine. But if we don't like it, then let's don't talk about it. Otherwise, we're going to use it to compare quarterbacks because it's what we do. At Dub Jiggy, just keep your hate agendas, dude. The whole offense was horrendous due to the terrible O-line play. The running backs had no success, and the wide receivers had no time 
to separate your disingenuousness disingenuousness is glaring my man okay this is these are always my favorite if you say something bad about someone someone likes your it's hate i have no hate towards Jameis winston i have no hate towards anyone in the o-line i have no one hate no hate to anyone else who played awful or coached awful sean payton um it's not about hate it's about what my eyes tell me. And my eyes tell me that Jameis Winston was awful on Sunday. <clears throat> and I don't care if the, I, the O line was terrible, sure, but I've seen quarterbacks play well when their O line is bad. You can throw the ball away. There's no, nothing wrong with throwing the ball away sometimes. The coaching was terrible, there's no question. Keontae Johnson says, Tell the players to get open and catch a ball. Sean. Peyton play calling was just awful. His play calling is conservative. He sees the running game isn't doing anything and the offensive line isn't holding up. Titans, tight ends, I assume that's what it means, tight ends are not picking up key blocks. I agree. I don't disagree with any of that. I thought Sean Peyton play calling was awful Sunday and I think he would probably tell you. And even in the Packers game, I thought it was okay. They ran the ball. The reason why it was better on, in the first game is because they were able to pound the rock against Green Bay, and they did it constantly. Why did they abandon the run on Sunday? But they're going to have to open up the playbook. We're going to have to see more of the Devontae Harris-type passes, and we're just going to have to let, it, let him run. Spencer Fox says, look, Jim. Look, Jim, I love that. Look, Jim, if you don't have any one time and enough time to throw, you can not throw with the you know periods to, to emphasize, except for using small letters. If anyone, anyone using capital letters, was playing quarterback today, they would have just been just as bad. Look at Rodgers last week. It's week two. Bailing on our quarterback after one game is class. And I obviously being sarcastic there, facetious. Um I'm not bailing, and it's not my job to back him anyway. Um, I'm calling as that I see it, or as Phil and someone said a little while ago, as I think I see it. I'm not giving up on Jameis to be this team's quarterback, and I'm not even giving up on him to be quarterback long-term beyond this year. But two things are going to have to change, and I've said them four or five times already. Got to open up the playbook, and, and he's got to play like he's not scared and just let loose. And if you throw two picks letting loose and scrambling around or you make your read and you go with it, then fine. But don't hold on to the ball. And then, like, just kind of duck under and throw it up in the air to be picked off. That's not going to work. Finally, got somebody to agree with me. At FF underscore 43478 tells me you're 100% right. Jameis is terrible. Last week was a huge flute fluke where he was gifted great field position all game. I'm not going to go that far. Um, I'm, and I'm not going to call him terrible. It's too early to call him terrible. I, he's 27 years old. He's had 71 stars. But it's still too early. It's a new system. I'm not going to call him terrible yet. He was terrible on Sunday. That doesn't mean he's going to be terrible in the long run. We'll see. Big D says, true Saints fans remember the dog days. Back in the days when it happened to be 500. Uh, we're going to get where we give him time, and he's going to shock people, talk about his INTs, but he was second in touchdowns too. Have faith. All right, you know what? We're going to end this mumbo-gumbo segment with that. Have faith. I like it. Let's have faith. I'm all about it. George Michael said, faith, faith, faith. And we're going to go with that. Speaking of that, let's go into our Let's Chat segment. And I, I was thrilled when I asked, Stan Verrett of ESPN to come on the show, be my first guest ever. Um, you know, he's not a, a bets guy at all, so he was a little worried. And I told him, look, we're just going to talk. We're not going to talk about betting. Um, we're going to talk about the Saints. And he said, if we talk about the Saints, they'll come on. So he did. And so I recorded this on Tuesday morning. I had intended to run this show uh, Tuesday. It just didn't work out that way. Had a lot of things going on. It didn't work out. But from now on, it will be on Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, and I hope to have a guest every show, if not certainly on Tuesdays. So with that, let's hear from Stan Verrett of ESPN and his take on 
the weekend. And our first ever Datitude interview is with ESPN late night sports center host Stan Verrett. Stan, of course, from the from the 504 here. And uh, we miss you over here first, first off. Hey, man, uh, it's always good when I get to come home. Uh, and I'm hoping uh, everything clears up so this uh, October 2nd Saints game will be at home because I got my tickets and I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm just waiting for the all clear. Now, you do come home quite a bit, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, we make about six or seven uh, NFL games a season, um, uh, you know, Saints games, uh, home games. So it's great. I got a, a tailgate crew um, there. And so if, if I work on Saturdays, as I do a lot of times, I'll take a red eye Saturday night after the show and get to New Orleans around 8 or 9 a.m. and then tailgate with my buddies and then go to the game. You still following the Purple Knights? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, that that that's a big part of me. Always will be. Well, hopefully they'll they'll get it back soon. Um, Stan, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Saints today, and um, you know it it's kind of a it, I don't think I've ever seen such role reversal as I saw this past week. You know, it it almost like the Saints played the exact role that the Packers played in Week One. And um, what was your take on what you saw? Well, you know, it's a week-to-week league. It's, um, it, it's a league of matchups, and sometimes I think teams get into a game and they, and they find things that work early, and then they're, they're able to establish those things and then, and then go to other things off that, and they get the other team scrambling. And we saw the Saints do that with the Packers. And you're absolutely right. I mean, Carolina came in and took it to them. Now, I think all those position coaches being out um, – I've, I've come to learn that Eric McCoy is, is a big part of what they do in terms of protection on the offensive line and, and, and not having him there uh, seemed to play a big role because they never established the run and uh, Winston's under pressure the, the entire time. So I think the uh, uh, up front, they, they just got whooped um, against, against the Panthers. That was the problem offensively. And defensively, I thought they struggled in the first half. They, they, they seemed to have some holes in zones they were playing. And, um, and Carolina was able to exploit that. But I think the defense settled down in the second half. And if the offense had given them just a little bit to work with, I think they could have really changed the complexion of that game. Stan, I got to ask you about uh, what you think about Jameis Winston. And obviously, um, you know, he had a very good week one, comes out, throws five touchdown passes, but then he kind of reverted to the problems that plagued him in Tampa Bay this week. Um, there's no question he's the best quarterback on this roster. So there's not like there's other options and there's anything that the Saints can do about it. But what do you see in the, in the, in the future, especially the near future? What, can, what do you think uh, Sean Payton's going to talk to him about and try to get him back on track? I know that they have had the decision-making conversation already. I'm, I mean, I'm 100% positive of that. Um. And that's why it's a little disheartening to, to see those picks um, happen because, look, nobody, nobody knows more than Jameis Winston about the interception thing and how the interception thing is related to decision-making. So, you know, he has to make that adjustment to say, look, there are times when, you know, I just have to eat this ball, you know. And I think it, it's, sort of a, it's sort of a curse for quarterbacks with big arms, quarterbacks who have – you know, a mental Rolodex of, of plays where they're falling backwards, but they're able to still get the ball there. Um, if you look at the, the Lamar Jackson play from the other night when he made the, the yeah. jump pass, yes. you know, to, to Hollywood Brown. I mean, that, you know, that is not fundamentally sound in any way. And if that's, a, and that, and if that's an interception, you know, the, 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 the narrative begins again about Lamar Jackson. Is he a pocket passer? Yada, yada, yada. But, then right. he, but if he makes the play, if he makes that play, then, yeah, it's a huge play, changes the momentum in the game. So I think that's the calculus that a lot of quarterbacks who have strong arms and who have made plays like that just using pure arm talent, sometimes they do things that they shouldn't do because they believe they can get the ball there. And, and it, it's a fine line between having the confidence to say, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make this spectacular play, even under duress, to uh, 
this is an ill-advised throw that I shouldn't make because I can't plant my feet. I can't put any real mustard on this ball. I mean, it, it's a very fine line. I mean, playing quarterback in the NFL is the hardest job in sports. And that's when it gets the hardest. When, it's, when, when you're under pressure, you got people coming after you who are big and fast and want to do bad things to you. And then you have to somehow stand there and, and make that play or make that play on the move. And so he, 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 he has to just curtail that in those moments because, look, let's face it, this year is going to go a long way toward deciding if Amos Winston is going to be a 30 or $40 million a year quarterback or if Jameis Winston is going to be a journeyman career backup. I mean, that, that, that's what he's playing for personally. And okay. that, that narrative about the interceptions is, is, is what he has to defeat. And, and the time he has to defeat that is, is in those moments where it, it gets away from him. And so, look, he's, he's, he's not going to throw zero interceptions, okay? But when you got two in a game, when you're trailing – I mean, you just you just don't give the, the team a chance to win. So he he's got to he's 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 got to fix that. And you know, I think there are things that coaching can do to help with that. But but in the moment when he's got to make that decision, he's got to make good decisions. Yeah, I don't buy into all the the coaches being out of, of really affected the game. I, I think it was more of uh, them being on the road for so long. Um, Ida catching up to him. You can go into your opener with emotion. You know, it's finally starting. We haven't played in three weeks and be fired up. And uh, that emotion carry a little bit. And then when you come home back, back, go back to Dallas instead of coming back to New Orleans, I think that's when it finally hits you, almost like a hangover. And to me, that's kind of what the Saints played like on Sunday. You know, I – I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, I mean, these guys are, are professionals, you know, they're professional athletes and, and they have a job to do. And, you know, a, a, a stadium is a stadium, you know, fields a field. Um, and so if you can produce the effort that's produced in week one, then I think you can produce that effort in week two. Now, again, I go back to matchups. I mean, I think Matt rule is a, is a really good coach. No and um, I think that's gonna that's gonna be borne out over this season and, and, and seasons to come. I mean, I think he's a he's 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 got a good mind for the game, and so you know that's a part of it. But I think when you when you don't have those position coaches there, and they and they're not available to address specific technical things related to how individual players are performing, and as a result, how the team is performing, I think that that has to have an effect because. You know, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a defensive line coach and, and I can see from a technical perspective um, why my guys aren't, aren't getting pressure, why individual matchups aren't working, um, uh, I, I can look at that in great detail. And, and that's, my, that's my field of expertise, particularly D-line play or, or, or offensive line play. If I can see specifically – Hey, what, what's going on here? Why, why is this happening? Why are we not getting the result that we want on this play? Um, you know, the coordinators can look at a big picture and, and that's what they do on a week-to-week basis. But in terms of the minutiae of why is this matchup working for them? What, what, what is my guy not doing technically that he could do better? Um, and, and to have a coach's eye on that, I think would have been, you know, more helpful. Lastly on the saints, um, what do you, what, I mean, it's hard to predict after two games. And, but to me, the injuries have obviously taken a toll early in the season. When these guys come back, to me, I don't, I think this team potentially is even better than it was last year. I mean, I, to me, look, we all know Drew Brees was, was at the end of the line. Should he have retired before last year or two years ago, even? That's, I mean, that you can't, hindsight is not 2020 in this case, I don't think. But, do you foresee this team getting back to where it has a chance to be a championship level type team this year? Um, you know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of factors that go into that. And, and, and it's why we watch because, because the storylines unfold sometimes in, 
in the way we thought it would. And other times it unfolds in, in, in really unpredictable ways. So I, I agree. It, it's too early to tell. I think a lot of it comes down to what we talked about, about James Winston. If, if he can, if he can limit the turnovers, um, make the right decisions so that um, the, the, the things that he can do don't get squandered. Because, look, if you go down and, and, and you throw a, a, a great touchdown pass, I'll play action, you know, for 60 yards, you know, but then you turn the ball over in your own territory, give the, give the, give the other team's offense a short field, they go in and score. Well, you know, you, you, you contributed seven on one end, but you gave up seven on the other end. So they got to they gotta limit that. I mean, I, I believe personally Sean Payton has a, has a very short uh, leash when it comes to turning the ball over. And, um, you know, th- there are a lot there are a lot of things that that can go either way in the NFL game. Like you can run for a lot of yards and lose. You can throw for a lot of yards and lose. And so there are very, very few statistics that are just ironclad. But turnover margin seems to be one of the ones that consistently teams win when they win the turnover battle. They lose when they don't. Um, I want to ask you about the just the NFL. How, how's the new stadium out in L.A.? The two new stadiums. You know, you know, I, I haven't been. I've really? Been to, I've been to very few NFL games in my life that aren't Saints games or I wasn't working. Okay. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, I can go to a game and, and enjoy it um, if, it's, if it's not the Saints. But, but it's just, you know, it's just not the same. I mean, work is one thing. I mean, I've been to plenty of games where I was working. But um, just going as a fan. You know, I, it's, it's, it's not the same. So I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I'll probably go at some point um, just to go. But, you know, my, my, my main off-time rooting interest is, is just the Saints. It, it interferes with your golf game, doesn't it? What, my Saints fandom? No, no, no. Try, you can't doing anything. But, uh, you know, when you're not working, I know you, you love to play golf. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that, that's uh, – <laughs> You know, I, I, I told my fiance, I said, listen, when we met, I told her, I said, look, um, I'm a totally rational person, <laughs> except when it comes to the Saints and golf. But other than that, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty rational person. What's your handicap I, I these days? Uh, I'm up to 10.5. I got down to 8.1, but now I'm back up to 10.5. So I, gotta, I got, got some things I'm going to work out uh, early, uh, later today. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I think I... I found the adjustment that I need to make to get that number back down because I was, I was getting scary. It was getting so low for a while. <laughs> well, before I let you go, I do want to touch real quick on LSU and Tulane and, and the local teams. And, uh, you know, LSU seems like a, a mixed bag. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what, what to think about it. Well, here we are year four of coach O and I, I still don't even know what to think. He wins a national championship and two years later, people are talking about whether he's on the hot seat or not. Uh, have you seen anything up and down? But I guess we have because we had less miles not before this. It was the same kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, look, they, uh, they that was a clunker against UCLA. The defense, the tackling was just atrocious. I mean, it, it 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 really was bad. The communication seemed like it was bad on defense and offense didn't really get rolling. But you know, the the, the last couple of weeks, they seem to have you know gotten some rhythm offensively. Those those young receivers look fantastic. Um, and you know, Johnson seems like he's settling in and, you know, but look, you know, the SEC is, is, is brutal. I mean, they got, they got that stretch coming up with Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, that that's going to be a tough stretch. They need to be, they need to hit a stride in these next few games here, um, in order to get ready for the meat of that schedule. Um, because if, you know, no, nobody's going to feel sorry for you week, week in SEC. I mean, it's just, it never stops. Um, and so. You know, they, they got to just get some consistency, some confidence. I like getting those, those young receivers a taste of some success early on, you know, because it looks like they're going to need them, you know, to get in and, and contribute. So, you know, defense, I think it's just, it's just communication and tackling. And, again, it seems like they, they figured those two things out. But, I mean, they're, 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 in, they're in a tough league. I mean, you, you, you look at what they did in 2019, and, it, and it's that much more amazing. You know, when you think about what it takes to to play at that level 
for a full season in the SEC and never have a slip up. I mean, that, that, that's really, really hard to do. Well, they, they also had a core on offense that, I mean, you look at, you're talking about first round draft picks all over that offense. So that was, uh, it's hard to duplicate that. Uh, and then just, just, to, I know you don't have a lot of time. So we're just, you know, Tulane, even though they've struggled to start and we saw what happened against Ole Miss, I think Ole Miss could end up being one of those top 10 teams by the end of the season. And we got to love what Lane Kiffin is doing at Ole Miss, uh, unless you're an LSU fan, obviously. But Tulane uh, seems to be on the right path, and it seems to be trending upward the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think with Tulane, it's always going to come down to can you recruit athletes that are going to allow you to compete against these teams in your non-conference schedule. I mean, that performance against, uh, that performance against Oklahoma, look, I know there's no – Moral victories, moral victories during right. the L column, right? But but that was a that that was a solid performance, and I think while you leave there with a loss, I think you also leave there with the feeling that hey, we we got a squad here that can compete with a top five team in the country on the road. I mean that's that's a that's a that's a good starting block. Now they may have taken a you know a step backwards. I mean it, it, it kind of got out of hand for them against Mississippi dealing with that offense. But, you know, Lane Kiffin's going to do that to a lot of people. Tulane has to be able to recruit specific athletes to do what they want to do on, on, on each side of the ball, you know, because, you know, it, it, it's hard for them to compete, honestly, for the five stars in Louisiana. I mean, LSU is going to have, you know, the, the more attractive pitch to make. And so, so I think, that's when you have to be very specific in your recruiting and say, okay, who are guys that fit exactly what we want to do? Let's go out and let's really push hard on, on those guys. And then we can make those guys into what we need them to be. Particularly, you know, quarterback is just always just so big that if you can, if you can get that answer, I mean, you look back to the Sean King years with, with Tommy Bowden. I mean, right. You know, they had, they had, they had an NFL quarterback and they were undersized in a lot of places. But but having that NFL quarterback made made a big difference, you know. So that's the first one you got to get right, and then from there, just plug in guys who fit what you want to do, and um, and then and then get out there and, and and run your program. But I think they're 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 on the right track, you know. They're on the right track. They wow. should be they should be very competitive in in, in their conference season. I agree, Stan. And uh, look, I know you got a lot of things to do, and I. We really appreciate you being our first guest here on, on the podcast. And um, we, we, we take a lot of pride in watching uh, one of our own doing great things on ESPN and you have for, for a couple decades now, and we're going to keep watching. Hey, Joe, I really appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm honored to be the first guest, and I wish you nothing but success with the podcast. We thank Stan Verrett. I mean, he was pretty darn candid, I would say. Um, you know, you, you have to respect a guy like that. And the guy that came from New Orleans, used to, I remember watching him on Channel 6. And here he is, uh, the main guy with Neil Everett on uh, late night talk on SportsCenter on every weeknight. And the college football guy as well. Uh, so we wish Stan all the best. And we, again, appreciate him coming on to the, to the show. Uh, speaking of California, I want to say hello I'm not sure how I even knew I was on live because I'm recording this live so I can put this up. But uh, my friend Jim Radcliffe uh, is out in sunny California along with Stan. And thanks for, for listening in. Jim, and uh, we miss you over here. Uh, was a great official in the LHSAA for, for quite a long time. And uh, we certainly miss you back here in New Orleans. And I uh, hope to see you next time you come in town. Speaking of... That, we're going to just about wrap it up. I wanted to touch more on LSU and Tulane, but uh, we're kind of running out of time here. This, this thing is uh, running a little bit longer than I would like to. I think normally we're going to go for between 30 and 40 minutes. We're running about 50 on this first one. Uh, we had a great conversation with Stan, and I, I didn't want to end it, and I wanted to let him say what, uh, what he wanted to say, and uh, he was gracious to come on this morning. We don't know if we're going to have a guest for Friday's show. Again, this show is going to be on on, from here on out, it'll be on Tuesdays and it'll be on Fridays, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, 
from here on out. We hope to get this on all your favorite places to listen to your podcast, uh, Apple Podcast, and um, and everywhere else that we can possibly get it on. We're going to work on doing that. Um, this is a work in progress, and I am still learning how to do this. Uh, it's been a while since I've done a show, and, and the last shows that I did were all video, and uh, I had producers and directors, and I didn't have to worry about all that stuff. So a little bit new, but we're going to get there. Uh, also, remember our videos on bet.nola.com, odds and ends on Mondays with myself and Zach Ewing, the sports betting director uh, at bet.nola.com. The Fantasy Roundup on Wednesdays, Zach and Spencer, the guru, Urquhart, and uh, I'll be on there as well at times. Uh, and at the book on Fridays, that's, I mean on Thursdays, excuse me, I think I said Friday earlier, it's on Thursdays, and that features cashing in with Carville. Uh, Zach, the hot Devin Jackson, man, he cannot miss. If we would have been betting Devin Jackson picks, we'd have been winning ourselves some money. Uh, but, uh, you know, I may start having to do that. Um, and then, uh, you know, on Friday, we're going to go through here on the, on the podcast, we are going to go through our picks for the NFL week, our NFL week three picks. We will touch on some more on the, we're going to look at the Saints at Patriots. We're going to talk about LSU and Mississippi State, I promise. Uh, Tulane's playing UAB. And we may even get to a little bit of, uh, we may even get to a little bit of the Pelicans because they are starting, uh, they're starting their training camp, I believe, I want to say either later this week or next week. It is that time already. That's right, Pelicans time. So we'll get into that. But, uh, it has been quite a first show. And again, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we're going to do more of this. I want to thank my brother-in-law, Phil Anselmo. Uh, Phil Anselmo and the Illegals also look down. We appreciate him for letting us use uh, some music here for our intro and our outro. And uh, we also uh, thank him for doing a lot of our voiceovers. So we will be back on Friday with episode two of the Datitude podcast. I am Jim Derry. Sports betting writer at the Advocate, the Times Picayune, and NOLA.com. We will see you on Friday. See you, everybody. <laughs>